0: Hey everybody, welcome back! It's time for another halftime report, and today we're here with Representative Tammy Nichols from Middleton. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Okay, I'm yeah. all right. Good. Um, <laughs> t- tell me, c- catch us up a little bit with what's going on at the at the Capitol and today. The um, the uh, tax cut bill passed the Senate, mm-hmm. and if I remember correctly, you at the time it was as you're on the Revenue Tax Committee, correct? You said that you we're gonna vote in favor of it getting out of committee, but you reserved the the right to change your vote on the floor. And I think ultimately you sided with the legislation you voted for. it. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you had some reservations about that. Yeah,
1: well, I have reservations because, you know, we we keep getting these supposed tax cut bills and while in essence, they are a tax cut, I compare them to breadcrumbs because we have all this money in the state right now, $2 billion surplus just about. And I would assume or I would hope that we could bring out really good pieces of legislation that give really good tax cuts to Idahoans and not just a rebate or uh, just a temporary tax cut. Um, And we know by talking to our constituents that property tax is a big deal, um, grocery tax is a big deal. And those are the two big ones that they want, that they want someone to do something about. And so I um, spoke uh, in favor of bringing the, this bill out of the committee, but I wanted to reserve my right because I'm wanting to see other pieces of legislation. And there are other pieces of legislation out there that would give even more of a tax break to Idahoans, but unfortunately we can't get them into the committee. Why not? You know, there's several issues with that. Um, I would say probably the top few are first, um, uh, it's the person that's bringing the legislation. I think there's some bias in that, um, that the chairman probably has some bias in that, um, either because they don't like the person or it's not their piece of legislation. um, And so I think that's part of the issue. I think that there's already, puzzle pieces in play, uh, that, uh, that there's certain pieces of legislation that either the governor wants to have done or leadership wants to have done. And, and so these other pieces of legislation that could bring tax cuts are not included in that package. Um, and, uh, and so I'd say those are probably the top two actually.
0: So today, well, let me back up a second. I find it really interesting and of course people don't understand this but- because the, the, the Republican controlled legislature, 85% Republican, mm-hmm. is excited about lowering the income tax from 6 5 to 6. And, right. and okay, I'll grant you that's a, a thing, right? right? But it's stunning to me that if you actually go back in history, in 1931, I mentioned this the other day when I was interviewing uh, Jim Mattis, in 1931, when the Democrats controlled the state legislature mm-hmm. and first put in place the income tax do you know what the top rate was
1: i don't know what the top rate was probably just a few four percent okay
0: and actually the the top rate four percent kicked in i think at like twenty thousand oh, dollars
1: okay which in
0: today's money is something in the neighborhood of three hundred fifty thousand dollars right yeah so it's not as if most idahoans are paying that top rate what they were mostly paying was one percent mm-hmm. now that bill when it was passed was called the, the property tax reduction act mm. Didn't really reduce property taxes. Right. I guess we still have property taxes. Now we have income taxes, and on top of that, in '65 we added sales tax. Yep. What is wrong with this Republican legislature that this is the best we can do?
1: Yeah, and that's that's a great question, and that's one that I'm still trying to even figure out. Because, like I said, we have this surplus in the state. We have all sorts of taxes that we're paying. Um, you know, and and unfortunately, I think a lot of it has to do with you have these unelected bureaucrats. You have these, we have so many agencies now. Um, we're so dependent on the federal government. And I think that that um, giving people back their tax dollars is, we're, we're a spend mentality. Uh, we just want to spend all the money. And every agency wants more money. There's never enough money for everybody. And unfortunately, taxpayers are kind of left at the bottom of the barrel. Um, they're not, they're kind of put on the back burner on, on giving them their tax money back.
0: So if you could wave a magic wand, let's say you were, Queen for the day, mm-hmm. which what would you do?
1: As far as taxes go?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I would definitely get rid of the grocery tax. Uh, you know, we're one of five states left that actually tax food. And um every every state around us has some sort of uh either they don't uh, charge tax on food or they have certain foods that they don't charge tax on but um, you know I think that that is one that really needs to to just go away um, I would like to see I, I actually submitted a personal bill on the sales tax to take the sales tax rate back down to 5% which when they increased it to 6% we were promised it was just temporary right mm-hmm. um, and here we are 2022 and we're still paying 6% um, so I would like to drop it back down to 5% um, Representative Ron Nate and I Submitted a gas tax bill, which we would actually half the gas tax, so it'd go down to 16 cents instead of 32, and it would be for two years to try to just get us through this Biden administration's term. This hopefully there's not another one, but um, you know, so there's another one. Um, You know, there's there's so many that we could actually, even if we dropped them just a little bit, even with the income tax, if we dropped them just a little bit, it would help people. All around in general, and yet the income tax is the one, for whatever reason, became the chosen tax cut bill. And it's not even really a tax cut. I mean, it doesn't really help the middle class that much. And the middle class is the ones that that really do need the help. Um, I mean, a seventy-five dollar rebate—that's like a tank of gas now. You know, I mean, there's so many other things that we could do to help to really help Idahoans.
0: Has the committee conveyed? any sense of frustration that even privately, that this process is really constrained down to just a handful of bills. And it's not a very open process where people are, you know, you're on the committee, you're the tax experts on the committee, come one, come all. I, I remember previous iterations of the state having surpluses going back to 2000, 20 years ago. Sure. And I keep telling people that, you know, legislators brought, you know, a dozen bills, there was eliminating tax on groceries, there was, you know, the grocery tax credit, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing something with property taxes, sales taxes, and there's just a lot of different things. Right. And this time you get one bill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there anybody that's sitting besides you on the committee who's going, hey, wait a minute, maybe we can do something a little different?
1: Yeah. Um, I have talked to some of the other members on the tax committee. Not a lot of them have come to me, ask. you know, Speaking of frustrations, or or saying, hey, why don't we do this? I think there's several people that understand that the process is broken, that the way that it's supposed to work, and where we're supposed to be this epitome of of bringing out ideas and um, representing different parts of the state, and you know, bringing those ideas together, um, you know, and at least giving introductions. Um, I would say the Democrats are very much on board with getting rid of the grocery tax. And so they would like to see that happen. We all know that property tax needs some reform. Uh, we were promised last year an amazing property tax um, uh, reduction or repeal or something. And instead, we get this 24 page bill at the last minute, the last hour, and no time to read it. It's it's rammed through everything in less than 24 hours passed off the floor. And um, and now we see that there was unintended consequences that are happening now because of that with the circuit breakers and different things. Um, granted, maybe Idahoans didn't see as large of a, a property tax increase, but over the last several years, their property taxes have been going up and up and up regardless. So, um, you know, so we're told these things and then then there's little that come to fruition, unfortunately. And my frustration is that we keep telling um our constituents oh yeah we're going to take care of this we're going to reduce taxes we're going to do this and this is an election year mind you and um and yet we we continue to fail and bring these these horrible bills i mean they really are breadcrumbs and band-aids that's that's been my new term that i've been using in revenue taxes we're we're giving breadcrumbs and band-aids and that's all we're doing
0: i guess you had one of those again today but the uh, senator vicks proposal to increase the grocery tax credit mm-hmm i suppose you voted to introduce that um what do you do when when the when that bill comes back
1: you know and yeah but my I, my thought though is why do we continue to kick this can down the road Why don't we just get rid of it i mean it costs the state money to process those um rebates right and um you know people have to submit it and and we can continue to increase and increase and increase these these rebates but we have all this inflation going on food prices have gone crazy through the roof um i mean anyone can go to the grocery store and see that the prices have gone up tremendously And so why do we continue to tax? We don't need it. We have the Wayfair account, which is the online sales tax, and that is supposed to offset taxes. Why aren't we using some of these things that we have to really actually get rid of taxes?
0: Has Governor Little, uh, in 2017, when he was running for governor, he was lieutenant governor, said that he wanted to get rid of the tax on groceries. So Mm -hmm. I presume that he and his staff have been to your office and have been all over the house and all over the Senate working to get rid of the the tax (laughs) on groceries. What's going on with that?
1: You know, I have to say, um, you know, uh, after last year's session, I had people come and ask me. So, do you do you talk to the governor? Do you see the governor? And I'm like, no, we we never see the governor. I've had one meeting with the governor since I've been in office, and that was my first term during the very first week of of our session where freshmen were invited into his office to come and talk to him and that has really been my my main interaction with the governor
0: are are your other colleagues are they invited down is it it a function of you being a conservative or is it it
1: seems very selective unfortunately um most of the most of my very conservative colleagues are in the same boat Mm -hmm. as i am um There's some that, uh, that end up getting a meeting if, if they're lucky enough to go talk to him, but it seems very selective, unfortunately. And, um, you know, and I think, I don't know what, what his thought process and all of this, but I would really like to see, um, you know, some, some better communication, uh, in that regard.
0: So let me go back to the grocery tax credit, since you will be voting on that actually soon, I would imagine. Um, the proposal that, that Senator Vick has, I mean, isn't terrible, I guess, but it's, right. and I'm kind of wondering what's so magical about, I'm 64 years old, and my grocery tax credit is, what, $120, and then I turn 65, and does my food consumption go up or something? Is that <laughs> how that works? And we, or is that just pandering <sighs> to seniors and in, in, uh, in a political sense of you know, buying off votes
1: again i think sometimes we have this legislation that comes um you know again representative ron nate he has to repeal it it wouldn't even actually get rid of the rebate it would just repeal the tax on groceries right, right? and and so sometimes i feel that again that um chairman or leadership don't if certain people propose bills Even if they're great ideas, they're not going to entertain them because they don't like the person. Um, And then, so instead, you'll end up with these, these subpar bills that will come in just to appease people enough, appease them enough that okay, we did something on this, and we can we can you know stick a feather in our hat because we did something, and and I just don't think that's fair to to um, Idahoans. I don't think that's fair to taxpayers. I don't think that's true representation, nor is it pure representation, and I think we can do a much better job. and if we're if we're conservative and we tout ourselves as conservatives and especially fiscal conservatives then we should be taking con- fiscal conservative action
0: is the legislature some kind of liberal oligarchy
1: uh you know when i travel around and people ask me where i'm from and i tell them idaho um i t- and then they'll ask me oh you're in a really conservative state and i tell them you know what we have really conservative people we do have conservative legislators but our government is not conservative. And it I've, is really not.
0: I've had the same conversations with people all over the country. They hear Idaho and they, and they go, okay, you're 85% Republican legislature. You must yep. have all these very conservative policies. But right. actually, no.
1: No. And what's surprising is people that are moving to our state, because Idaho is a very fast-growing mm-hmm. state. We have people coming from all over. And they come here with this ideology that we are very conservative, that you know, we, we run our state. You know, true red. And then they get here and they start finding out that that's really not the case. And, um, and that's been kind of interesting to watch because then they're like, oh no, we're not going to let this happen to the state, you know, the state that we just came from. We don't want the same thing to happen. So then they start getting involved and they start taking, taking action because they, they see that it's not as conservative. It's not as red as what they were hoping.
0: Let me run some of the tax policy stuff to ground just a little bit. Okay, So are you thinking that we'll leave this legislative session doing anything at all meaningful on, on on property taxes?
1: So I hear rumors that there is a Senator that is putting together a property tax bill. Um, now what that looks like, I have not uh, seen yet. Um, I, For me personally because of the last few years of hearing that we're going to reform property tax and nothing really has come about that i don't have high hopes unfortunately Um, now granted property tax is has to be done it's multi-level um and so it's not just going to be a state issue thing it also there also needs to be changes on the county level and city level as well so um but i I just really don't have high expectations unfortunately that we're going to do that
0: why is that
1: it's because of of past actions the things that i've seen i mean if i have seen magic work in the in the legislature i have seen bills um almost um come out of a hat so to speak it's like magic and they can get something done in less than 24 hours to the governor's desk Mm -hmm. and and uh, you know be done um, and so I think if we were really wanting to bring true tax reform and, to, and true tr- uh, tax reduction, we would be seeing it happening. I, I, they should have, from the very get-go, there should have already been stuff ready to go um, and, and start having that dialogue, that discussion.
0: But, but, but something has to be stopping that. And I'm not trying, I really try hard not to put words in anyone's <laughs> mouth. But it seems as if... It's the special interest groups. It's, I mean, this, you pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Some of those taxes make their way to your school board sure. and some of those taxes make money, make their way to the school boards association. Mm-hmm. the same thing is true with the cities. You pay taxes, the city turns around and sends that money to the cities association of Idaho cities. Yeah. You pay taxes to the county, the county turns around and sends the money to the Idaho association of counties. They all send lobbyists, to the capital Mm -hmm. is that what the hitch is and the get along that it's these special interest groups that are doing their level best to leave things the way they are or is there some other force at work here
1: i would say that is probably part of a factor because like i said going back there's never enough money for these agencies and, and and bureaucrats and things there's never enough money everybody's always wanting more money i mean we just look at spending right now on education and you know um, everybody wants a piece of the pie and there and we need to add more money to uh literacy and we need to add more money i mean there's never enough money and so everybody is trying to um you know Right now, they're bringing forth budgets and, and these different agencies are bringing their budgets forward. And there's the recommendation from the governor on what those budgets should be. And then there's the agency's recommendation on what they think their budgets should be. And I was just in one of my committees in agriculture and we got a rundown of all the different um, categories in agriculture and what those budgets are. They're not even spending all that money. Some of them have over half their budgets still left. But yet everybody wants more money. So there's never enough, and the taxpayers are the ones that get to foot the bill. Although, granted, we're we're taking a lot of money from the feds now too, but it's still taxpayer money. So. Well,
0: I mean, they they print it, right? Yeah, it's like magic money. So yeah, it truly <laughs> is. So let, let's talk about that a little bit because there was a bill that also passed the House. Um, I'm pretty sure you voted against it. That was the bill that um, would take 75 million dollars initially, put it into an account, so that. Um, School employees can be on the state insurance plan, right? And why? What were your objections to, to that?
1: Yeah, so my objection to that wasn't necessarily to put um, employees on the state plan. Okay, that's well, well and good enough, right? Okay, sure, do that. But um, for me, it was putting the cart before the horse. For one, um, there was no, there's no guarantee that the money to be spent on the insurance plan has to go to the insurance plan. For two, we were picking a, a company. Um, pretty much monopolizing it as them being the the chosen company yeah blue cross and they get to be the chosen company to benefit from all these not only not only teachers but all their other staff, all the perf- professionals. I mean, right. all janitor, those people. Yeah, anybody every anybody. Them. Yeah, um, the amounts that were on the bill were not truthful amounts. So there was some discretion in, and what was actually going to be being spent. And granted, it's supposed to save us money, but I saw estimates for ten years projection that it could all cost us billions billion dollars of dollars, yep. and so and. What's that gonna do? That's if we end up in that, that's gonna increase property taxes, that's gonna increase all sorts of taxes. And I'm I'm feeling it for our seniors. You know, here's our our senior citizens that have been contacting us over the last couple of years saying, I can't afford my home anymore. My property tax has gone up, I'm on a limited budget, and now we're gonna possibly you know, ask them for more money now and and tax them out of their homes. So it's not that I had an issue with the teachers and everybody being on the plan. It's just the way that it's, they're, they're trying to implement it.
0: Is, is there something to be said for, and I asked some other people this as well, there's something to be said for the fact that you're the taxpayer, but you can't afford the plan that you're paying for state and local employees to be on. And in fact, there are school districts in Idaho, there are cities and counties and in yeah. idaho where the taxpayer pays 100 percent of the premium right or and the deductible where my deductible is i think five thousand dollars yeah um yours any any government employee is is 250 500 i don't know what, mm-hmm. the, what the figure is something like that yeah it's uh, just it's a, it's a hell, heck of a deal if you can get it right so right. is there something to be said for we're telling taxpayers to pay for a plan that they can't afford that they certainly are not even the market for themselves
1: yeah it's unfortunate i mean you know since obamacare came into play and what that's actually done to the insurance cost and the market itself um you know i've talked to so many people and i remember myself when you could get a plan for, you know, 50 bucks a month or whatever the case was. And it might not have been like the best plan there was, but it was, it was decent. And um, good luck trying to find that now. And now, and you know, and that kind of goes back. I've never seen government take over anything and make it better or more affordable. So for us to be able to say, Oh, yeah, this is gonna be the best way to do it, I really I don't put a lot of lot of hope into that either, because I haven't seen government do a better job than what you know a, a private market can do or, or whatever the case may be now again sure you know stick it on there but at least let's be honest in this conversation and it reminds me a lot of what happened with medicaid expansion and how we were promised all these great things with what was going to happen if we would just pass medicaid expansion and we we're going to save all this money and then you know just a few years later we find out it's costing us way more than what we thought right. there's way more people that are on it and i just i just kind of see that repeating in this in this
0: case as well. Do you think there's been some talk about this, how this bill was really rushed through? And I, I had Greg Cheney in here the other day, and we talked a little bit about the fact that the bill was oddly rooted to the his committee, the uh-huh. Judiciary Committee.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: he chalks it up to being that it wasn't in Title 33, the education code. But I'd point out that as soon as the bill got over to the Senate.
1: Went to education? Went to
0: education. Yeah. Having said all that, there seemed to be a lot of rush. And even when Sally Toon, who's not exactly a conservative, you know, liberal Democrat from wherever she's from, Gooding or wherever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, gets up there and says, This is great. We did this 50 years ago and we stopped doing it. (laughs) And and no one's asked, But why? Why did we stop doing that? Isn't that something that somebody might ought to want to know? I don't know the answer. But in 1972, something happened that compelled the state of Idaho to shift positions and take the school employee off of the state insurance and now we're doing it again and no one's even asking the question it's just the question that i have is okay between that (laughs) and the fact that the governor's former legal counsel is now working for blue cross Mm -hmm. the fact that former governor which otter is a spokesperson for blue cross Cross. is there something here that's Outside the policy realm that maybe it's you know inside deal making.
1: There does I mean it does it just be I mean, one to wonder, doesn't it? Um there's a lot of coincidental. Are you things suspicious
0: about that? Are there others who are suspicious? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, yeah, there are. And you know, and, and we're we're seeing the same thing. I mean, why an education issue would be going through a committee that's not education is by itself just strange.
0: It looked to me like that was because. The House Education Committee has been somewhat conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, They lost a pretty conservative member, and that conservative member has been replaced with apparently a liberal. Um, But there still might be the votes on the committee to potentially ask tough questions and kill the legislation. Is that the reason why it went to that committee? That's safer than, say, even uh, the House State Affairs Committee, which is also particularly conservative. I would say,
1: yes, that is is a really probably – plausible reason on why it went to the committee that it did, because um, I think it probably would have had a harder time getting out of that committee because they would have asked questions. There's there's good legislators on there that do ask tough questions. And um, I think there would have been some things brought up that uh, maybe they didn't want brought up. So so they sent it to a committee that would that would be friendly to to passing it out of the committee.
0: That's what it looks like to me too. Yeah. Let's talk about education a little bit. Sure. I know you're not on the committees, but you've done a lot of work in this um, in this area. Um, you're going to see a lot of proposals soon to deal with early childhood education. Most of it, I suppose, will come through the budget. Um, the governor's got a proposal to throw a bunch of money into um,
1: literacy, literacy
0: mm-hmm. gives it to the school districts, and they get to decide what to do with the money. But ultimately, the purpose of it is to expand full-day kindergarten. Right. What, what What will you be doing on that?
1: um i don't agree with that and there was actually just a report that came out not too long ago saying that you know full-day kindergarten is not in the best interest of the child and um and i think that we really need to turn our our discussion and our desire to school choice that is what i'm hearing from constituents all over the state um that they want school choice with all the things that have happened in education the last few years um, with schools being shut down and mandates and all these different things coming into play Um, you know, critical race theory, all the stuff that they say doesn't happen in Idaho. Um, you know, I have worked with a lot of parents all over the state and over the last couple of years and they're, they're waking up to let, yeah, let's have school choice. We want, we want the option on where and how our children are educated and education should not be a one size fits all approach. Uh, Children are individuals and they learn differently and they do better and environments versus others and uh, and so yeah that's where we should really be turning our attention we're we've thrown money at literacy f- over the last many years i mean tons of money and our literacy rates have not improved we're actually not doing any better than uh than what we were a few years ago so um so i'm not seeing i'm not seeing where the money that we're spending is giving us a better outcome and i think that what we could be doing is offering school choice. And I think that will actually give us a better outcome.
0: So again, I ask you, why is that so hard? Uh, they, maybe we'll get a bill passed this year. Maybe we won't, Yeah. but I've been watching this for you know, 25 years and it's the same outcome. And if you go back, there was a, a legislator, you probably met him uh, from Canyon County named Morris Clements. Mm-hmm. And Morris brought legislation in the 1970s for a voucher. Yeah. And the Republican legislature refused to hear his bill and out of frustration more simply resigned from the legislature. Yeah. Uh, that was in the class of Butch Otters. This has been going on forever. I yeah. remember I, rem- I remember a bill in, the, in 2000. I remember legislation in um, uh, 2010, 2015. And now here we are 2022. There are other states that have more education choice. What Absolutely. is the problem here in Idaho?
1: Absolutely. I would say for us for education, it is the unions and um and the drive that they have and the the um control that they have over. Nice. You know, that's that's a good question because again, we're supposed to be this conservative state, right? And we have states um, that are not near as conservative as what we're supposed to be. And they're passing school choice. They're giving parents the options on how to educate their children. They're doing the voucher programs. They're doing the, the savings student savings accounts. They're giving those options and, and they're seeing them work. They're seeing good outcomes because of it. And so, but why we have that problem here is, is it's beyond me and I don't understand why we can't even just have that discussion and get that discussion going because if we're representing our constituents, and I know I'm not the only legislator that's hearing this, but that is what people want. That's what parents want is they want options. They want school
0: choice. The Idahoans for, what is it called? Idaho business and business and education, mm-hmm. Rod Grammer's group is arguing that talking about education choice is anti-rural schools. Well, you're a rural legislator. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that argument?
1: Uh, I don't buy that argument. Um, I think that there's a very narrow view on what school choice looks like to some people, and I think they see it as either it's public school or private school or charter school, and that's your only options. Um, there are so many options now for for education, and and so to to say that you know rural schools are not going to benefit from school choice is not the case. Um, you have. And we've seen it happen. We have parents that have already taken matters into their own hands, whether they get the money for it or not for their child, but they're doing other things. They're doing co-ops, they're doing, you know, back to one room schoolhouse type scenarios, um, online learning, um, charter schools. There's all sorts of options. And my area is rural and there's lots of kids in my area that participate in several of those options. So it doesn't just have to be public school or charter school or private school. There's many other options available, and um, and for the rural areas, um, they they find stuff. They find a way that works for them. And if you're really really rural, there's there's options still available. And so it's it's not so it's not so simple that you know rural areas are not going to benefit from it because we can find a way. We'll find a way to benefit from it.
0: I've been talking a little bit in my office about um, school performance. That's something that kind of doesn't seem to get a lot of attention. I was pointing out, for example, that in in the Weezer School District, um, one in 10 school students will actually be able to pass the college entrance exam.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: In Fruitland, I think it's 25%. uh, Boise, about 50%. Are any of your colleagues talking about why that is? keep shoveling money into the education system, and this is the result that we get?
1: yeah there's there are groups of us that that do talk about that and we do realize we've already, we already know that um you know just because you you throw money at things does not improve outcomes um and that's no different for education um you know again going back to school choice though uh, several of us see it that if you offer school choice it creates competition and it, it creates schools to do better and to to try to raise that bar Um, instead of just going with the status quo and, and not making any changes. Um, but Idaho has a weird mentality with, with education. And it's almost like if you're, if you're not for giving more money then you hate kids, you hate teachers, you hate all, you know, you hate education in general. You want to, you want to defund public school. I mean, I've, I've heard that, um, from people myself when I'm just talking about giving the option of school choice. And I just think that's a really weird mentality. Um, to have because it's not true. It's not true. We see we see studies all over the place showing that school choice is a good option, showing that it improves education, shows that it gives um, more options to students, and that the outcomes are better. And so, why would we not want to improve education? Why would we not? Why would we want to stay with the status quo? And we know that throwing more money at it is not changing the scenario. Any in fact, we're getting worse. And so, why would we not want to do something that would actually benefit and better our education system?
0: Have conditions changed any in the discussion regarding education now that it's become quite apparent that our schools are teaching critical race theory, or I should say they're engaged in critical race theory, um, social justice, um, social emotional learning? Mm -hmm. Has the temperature changed in the Capitol relative to how your colleagues view the public education system?
1: Um, I think what we have is we still have those that, you know, they're just die hard. They're going to support public education regardless of what it's actually doing. There's some that really have a hard time. It's almost like a paradigm shift that they have to make where, okay, yeah, education isn't – public education isn't doing what we're hoping that it would do. Um, or they are stuck back, you know when when their kids many years ago were in public education and how it was then, um, but they haven't had kids in school for you know 10, 15, 20 years. I still have kids in school. I still mm-hmm. see what's going on in the education system.
0: Your son's a senior now, is that right?
1: Um, I have a sophomore and a, and, and a junior, okay. yeah, and then one at college. So um, so yeah, so I see what's happening in those in those environments. And uh, you know, you have the ones that'll just say, you know, oh, that's never going to happen in Idaho. That's not being taught here. They they have – we have a trusting um, mentality. We want to trust people that, that are educating our kids. And we have a lot of great teachers. We have a lot of great principals. We, it's not everybody, but we can't – be so blinded and say that this isn't happening when we see it happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. Idaho is not in a bubble. We can't keep everything out from from our state. It is being brought in here. We have we've seen lots of evidence that there is critical race theory of sorts being taught. That there is um, Marxism of sorts being taught. That there is social justice being taught. I mean, we've seen we've seen it play out into wow. our education system and so we can't we can't deny that and and to do so is is completely the wrong way to approach education and to try to we should want to stop that stuff before it gets here but instead it seems like a lot of people want to take an approach where it's after the fact and then we have to deal with it when we, it should be the office, that we should want to deal with it now so that we don't have to deal with it even harder down the road.
0: It's happening. I mean, we, we've, um, we've documented, we have a new report coming out. Actually, I think it's online now. Is that right? You have a new report that's online. And it talks about critical social justice in Idaho mm-hmm. schools. And um, the stories in there are horrific. I mean, the, the, the girl in, from Coeur d'Alene who was, you know, uh, convinced that she was a boy and yeah. her parents were not informed. Coeur d'Alene!
1: Portland? Not exactly yeah. a
0: liberal haven. Maybe. No. I mean, it's a you know, North Idaho, very conservative country. And uh, parents weren't informed about it. Uh, we have culturally responsive teaching that's in the education world. So uh, we've mm-hmm. got vendors that are working uh, with school districts to bring Absolutely. in you know, diversity and inclusion and all this other nonsense. And, and it's here.
1: It is. It is. And our teachers that are going through our education system here our colleges and stuff it's being taught there and that's that's how they're supposed to be teaching and so to to try to ignore it and say it's not happening is is that's that's rose colored glasses living in an alternate reality because it is and so we need to to approach it as if we know it is going on because it is going on
0: so last legislative session the legislature finally never seen it happen before but the legislature finally at least took some ownership over the college and university system and said, you guys have got to eliminate two and a half million dollars. Not a lot of money, by the way, it's like a rounding error. Yeah. But Boise State (laughs) University of Idaho and Idaho State University, you need to go and get rid of these social justice programs, two and a half million dollars worth. And they didn't do anything. They did nothing. Nothing's changed. Right. What are you guys going to do about that?
1: You know, I mean, unfortunately, It's it's gonna I said this many years ago. I did an interview with Rybart and they asked me a similar question, you know, how do we make how do we change this? And I said it has to be it's the money. The money talks. So you have to take the money away. If they're not gonna listen to you, and take the money away. Um, I'm working on something right now um, in regards to the National School Board Association and what happened with them coming out, um, wanting to label parents as terrorists because they were concerned about what was happening in their kids' education. So they were showing up at the school board meetings and and vetting and, and their frustrations with what was transpiring. And here there's already been 19 states that have pulled out their membership from the National Nine School hours. Board Association. And we're not one of them. No, we're not one what, of what them. What are you doing about that? Uh, So I'm working with a few other legislators uh, writing a resolution right now. So, um,
0: yeah. I mean, one of the difficult things about that, again, is to follow the money. Mm -hmm. Um, You pay your taxes to your school district. You think it's being used to educate your kids, but actually it's being used to pay dues to the Idaho School Board Association, and they spend money with the national school. So Idaho money is going to the national organization to promote this stuff exactly
1: and i think people have there's a disconnect in that Um, people think that when we talk about spending money on education that all that money is going into the classroom right. little of that money actually goes into the classroom um it goes to all sorts of other things and that's one of them is we pay these these membership dues to many many different organizations uh education organizations including the the national school board association and they're the ones that are helping to bring in this indoctrination the critical race theory the you know social justice all that sort of stuff so we're paying to, to allow that to happen. And that's that's wrong, that's not how tax money should go. And if we really want to get that money to the students, school choice is the best option.
0: So knowing, and I, I appreciate that, so, but knowing that you've got money going into the school system, college and K through 12, mm-hmm. that's being used in ways that we would find abhorrent, the, the hypersexualization of children in the K through 12 education yeah. system, you would think that there'd be the votes to stop that. That would they would. And, how confident are you that there, that there is
1: well again i think it goes back to people don't they're not dealing with reality they're not dealing they they have the they have this idea that you know everybody because that's what i heard last time when we were when we were talking about the budget and um uh, there was a grant that was that was up on, on the pre-kindergarten the grant right mm-hmm. and how you know that money was just going to go to help help young kids help preschoolers and, and little kids you know and then information started coming out on the materials that were being promoted through that organization that it was, you know, these these books for toddlers on A is for activists and you know, is for trans. Yeah, I mean, just crazy stuff. And then you would hear other legislators say, well, that's not going to happen in my area. We're not doing right. that in my area. So I think there's this disconnect that somehow their area is protected and this stuff is never going to happen or encroach into their area and that everybody that that's working with kids that uh, is working in education or doing these programs have the best interest of the child and the best intent. And yes, we want to believe that, but we can see around us that that's not the case. That's not really what's transpiring.
0: I'm kind of stupefied by this, you know, uh, Jim Addis was here the other day and he said the same thing. Well, you know, I talked to the folks in my community and they tell me they've got this wonderful pre-kindergarten program. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I maybe they're doing this elsewhere, but they're not doing it
1: here.
0: I think they are doing it there and he just doesn't know it b are we really okay with accepting a grant that in twin falls is going to be used to indoctrinate kids we shouldn't be even if it's not my district it's good for me but not good for them but that's okay because
1: right no we shouldn't be we shouldn't be supporting because unfortunately the money is going to trickle to that to that national organization or that organization that is promoting that that is trying to push that into our schools. I mean, we have the the National School Board Association and they're the ones that wanted to defund the police and keep the schools shut down, you know, and all this other stuff. So the money is going to trickle to them regardless of if we want it to or not. It's going to get to them eventually because just like in the legislature and how we, we pass budgets and do these things and this money is going to go to this, but there's really no strings attached saying that it has to. Well, we're giving our money, you know, to these organizations and they get to determine what what's going to happen
0: with it. So, help me with a philosophical issue with regard to kindergarten. Yeah. Because I get it, you know, okay, there is this national group, and they're working with a state group, and there's some leftism that they're promoting, and we've documented it's there. Yeah. Uh, The Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children and the national organization that that they work with, no question, very left of center. Let's say that wasn't there. Mm -hmm what would the objection would would you have an objection to pre-kindergarten so the grant comes to idaho local school district has it no middleman
1: um i am not sold on the pre-kindergarten or even the you know pre-kindergarten or even even kindergarten i mean okay it's great to be able to have your kids socialize and and learn those things but kids if you if you psychologically, if you look at their development and many other countries around us, they don't start education until kids are seven or eight years old because they're not ready for that type of education. They're right, I mean, and if they can be with their parents and be with their with their families, that's that's the best education they can get for young young children. Um, we have no data showing that early education actually makes kids smarter in the long run. Um, you know, and so, you know, I've put my kids in preschool, you know, they went for a couple of days a week for a couple of hours and it was solely just to socialize them right. to get them used to playing with other kids. Um, I was not expecting. You know them to have a formal education at that point in time or or anything else um and uh, you know and i had the opportunity to stay at home with my kids which you know that was a choice that we made and uh, and it was an important one but um but it yeah but i just don't i don't i haven't been sold on it i haven't seen anything showing me that it actually benefits kids in the long run and um, I think a lot of people like it because it is free babysitting, free babysitting for them. Babysitting. Unfortunately, and so of course you have the the businesses and the companies that are for it because they're gonna their workers are gonna get it free free childcare. Basically, they don't have to pay for it, um, you know. But as far, if we're really putting the child's best interest into the play, then I really don't see where that benefits
0: them. You don't have to deal if you're a business pre kindergarten avails you the ability to not just worry about an employee who calls you up and right. says i've got to go deal with you know timmy's got a
1: right whatever to yeah pay. exactly exactly and that's unfortunate i mean it's unfortunate i think to put people in that situation to begin with um you know i didn't have my kids so that someone else could raise them um but and i understand that everybody has different situations but i think as, as a whole i mean if people want to stick their kids in into kindergarten or or daycare or whatever it is that's up to them but it should be on their dime it shouldn't be the taxpayers that are paying for it
0: yet the republican legislature is at some point headed in that direction the full day kindergarten pre-kindergarten yeah. is just around the corner
1: oh the push has been going on for the last several years
0: yeah I, you know it's funny too um, i remember when i worked for the state department of state department of agriculture i did that too <laughs> but um i also worked for the department of education uh, for a brief amount of time and One of my jobs was to research the origins of kindergarten and pre-kindergarten. And 1970s, when Idaho added kindergarten, Mm -hmm. the promise was that kindergarten was going to help get kids ready for first grade. Right. Now they want pre-kindergarten to get kids ready for kindergarten. Right. And where does that stop? Yeah.
1: And again, kids in in their in their brain development are not ready for a formal education at that point and that's why again we have countries all around us like sweden and different places they don't start formal education until kids are are older
0: where's that conversation about okay if we expand kindergarten somebody loses in this equation government grows something is shrinking Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. obviously we know what that is it's families it's churches it's community organizations private schools yeah other things in the community is there anyone in the legislature who kind of goes okay let's let's pause a little bit and, and recognize that when government wins Something else is losing. When government grows. Something is shrinking.
1: There's a few, um, especially on the education committee, that will definitely be asking those questions. I wish I was on the education committee so I could ask those questions. Um, there's a few, but I think again the mentality. There's this disconnect, and uh, the mentality is that you know, oh, this is all just great. This is all just good stuff, and 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 it's because a lot of the time we're sold all the good part, right? There we're told all the good part. We're never told about. Um, you know, that there's there's this other side to it. And you have in these committees, you have people um, from these different organizations or these different agencies that will come and testify before the committees. And they'll tell you all the good stuff about how wonderful this is gonna be, how amazing this is gonna be, how much good this is gonna do. And, um, you know, a lot of just regular people don't have the the ability or the time or, or anything to be able to come in and testify on the flip side, or you're not told any of the flip side. It's all the positive. Um, and yeah, you can you can sell anything. I mean, I can sell a used lemon car, you know, and tell you all the positives about it. But when you get it at home, you're going to find out that it's a used lemon car and you're not going to want to keep it. So so we're told all the good stuff all the time. but um, But there's this disconnect. And I think I was saying how today I think it would be so interesting at the beginning of the session if all legislators were given X amount of dollars And every time they passed a spending bill or they passed a budget or something that, you know, you have 10 legislators and they each have to pony up, you know, you know, like $2 million or whatever the budget is divided amongst the legislature and whoever voted for it, that's what they have to pay. And then to see how much money they have left at the end of the session, just, you know, play money. But if they run out of money during the session, they have to figure out a way to either borrow it or IOU it or go to jail or whatever the case that's may fascinating. Be. That's really um, fascinating. I think it would just be kind of a fun thing to try, but to see how much money is left at the end. Um, because, you know, when you're not physically having to pay that money or write that check, There's a disconnect that happens, unfortunately. The
0: governor is contemplating a 17% increase in spending year over year. Yeah. Bigger than the media has portrayed it to be, but. Right. Is anyone, is there, hey, whoa, that's a lot. You
1: would think, right? But again, we weren't told it was 17%. We were told it was a much smaller amount. Um, You know, they make it sound like it's gonna be just great. Um, A lot of it's, you know, go along to get along and um but who's really looking out for the taxpayers it comes back to that who's really looking out for the taxpayers and and what do they get to keep i mean states all around us their their tax rates continue to increase our tax rates continue to increase people are going home with less and less in their wallets from their paychecks um you know where where does it end when when do we say enough taxing and again we have tons of taxes that we pay for we're we're paying taxes left and right um, you know, eventually I'm sure we'll be taxed to breathe or whatever the case might be. Well,
0: that sounds like a fair tax that applies Wouldn't to that be? Yeah, it
1: would go for everybody and, and we could tax it. Absolutely. So, you know, I
0: almost hesitate to, to even jokingly talk about this stuff. Because invariably somebody's gonna say, Wow, that's a great
1: that's idea. That's a great huh? idea of yeah. a
0: breathing tax. Okay, we'll exactly. just you know, those darn Californians, they come to Idaho and they breathe Idaho's air and they they're don't, using up they,
1: our oxygen. They don't pay tax <laughs>
0: on it. So maybe if we do like a twenty percent breath tax and then we only rebate that back through the income tax so the Californians continue to be taxed.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's, it's completely plausible. It's
0: completely nothing, plausible.
1: Nothing surprises me anymore. So that would be one that, you know, someone could bring it forward and I wouldn't be surprised actually. So we're, we're to that point where anything can go.
0: So switching gears completely. Um, last legislative session, went well, actually, last legislative session and the special legislative session or the-
1: Extended. Extended, <laughs> the
0: sequel or whatever it was, uh, there were some efforts to, again, deal with these issues that have been plaguing us for years. You were involved in that, coming up with yeah. some ideas to protect medical privacy and protect people who face uh, a COVID mm-hmm. uh, requirement. Where is that now? Is that I haven't seen anything so far this session. It's so early yet. Well, it's February. But... Right. Can we expect that the legislature is going to tackle that? Yeah. You know,
1: that whole thing is really unfortunate because, you know, over the last couple of years with COVID and all that, I mean, all of us have been hearing from constituents on, you know, mandates and they're losing their jobs or, you know, they're, they're having to choose between, you know, working or quitting, or um, they're being laid off, you know, without pay or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and we've been hearing about this over and over and over again, it hasn't gone away. Um, our governors continue to issue emergency orders every month for the last couple of years. Um, we're still in emergency. We have the federal uh, government that's continuing to push mandates, and you know, and and uh, coming up with all these crazy ideas on what they think is going to help. Um, and so, we're not done with this issue yet. We still have this issue; it hasn't gone away. And so, uh, during those three days in November that we were here. Uh, there were several of us that had worked on bills over the last few months that we brought forward. And um, unfortunately, there was nine nine pretty decent ones, and they were all sent to health and w- welfare during that time when they were not going to be meeting. So they basically got sent to health and welfare just to die. Um, we are resurrecting several of those. There's actually a group of us that have started meeting together to get some of these these details worked out, and really try to hone in on each of the issues that we are are seeing occur um, in regards to COVID shots or, or the mandates. Um, and so there should probably be some stuff out um, probably next week. I mean, I did resubmit my my um, bill that I ran last time too as a personal bill because again I couldn't get um, the chairman of Health and Welfare to to allow my bill to come forward in his committee. So, um, so I personally build that one, but um, I have other bills that I have worked on and there's other legislators that are working on bills to, to try to handle a lot of those issues. So
0: you have a problem in the health and welfare chairman in the house, but you also have a problem with the Senate at large.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What,
0: what are, what are the odds of you getting through those hurdles? So
1: I've heard that the chairman on the Senate side, um, if it's anything COVID related, um, he's not hearing any of it. Um, I kind of assume that that's probably on both sides, the House and the Senate, that if it's COVID related, they're just not going to hear it. Um, You know, and that's, it's just so unfortunate. I mean, we have people that are in really bad situations. I mean, we have people that are getting kicked off of transplant lists now because they don't have a COVID shot. And even though their doctor advised them not to get one. Um, And so it's just, and we have people that have had terrible side effects to, to taking the shot because they were coerced or forced or whatever the case may be where they had to get it. And uh, they saw that as their only option. And so, and then they end up with these side effects and who's responsible for that? There's nobody responsible for that. It doesn't fit into any of the normal categories. Um, You know, good luck getting the government to, to give you anything if you, if you get injured because of, of the shot. Um, So there's just, there's so many issues that are involved in it. And to me, a lot of it's really nefarious. Um, It's really unfortunate to put people in that situation. And, uh, and so the state does need to take the initiative and take those steps to protect the people of Idaho.
0: When you say nefarious, what do you mean?
1: I just see where a lot of the stuff that's going on, um, you know, where uh, uh, the media for one has put, has taken a lot. I mean, if you come out against the shot for whatever if you're someone that has had a um a reaction to this shot um you're silenced off of social media you're silenced you know in the media in general um it's like there's there's and the ads that idaho runs i don't know if you've heard the ads but there's there's nothing negative about you know oh go get the shot i mean most um as you hear in regards to any type of drugs or pharmaceutical products, there's always that disclosure at the end, you know, that they read really, really fast and tell you all the different side may effects. May cause
0: bleeding, may cause your heart to stop right, beating. Right, right. May cause you to faint all spontaneously. All those fun yeah. things,
1: yeah. There's none of that. There's none of that anywhere. And and people that are being injured, people that, I mean, there's people that have died from taking it. I'm sorry, There ha- there is. But they're all being silenced. They're all being, and any doctors that come out against it, um, you know, for whatever the case may be, they're being labeled, they're being silenced. Um, you know, I'm called an anti-vaxxer a lot of the time. I, I'm not anti-vaccination. I don't agree that this is a vaccination because to me, a vaccine is actually supposed to stop something. And we now know right. that that doesn't happen with this.
0: Get, 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 get the shot and then four boosters. <laughs> right. and, and then it's supposed to yeah. minimize the yeah, symptoms Yeah. may not or end up something. in the hospital. Right.
1: right? Um, and Can you so,
0: imagine if the flu was like that?
1: No, or any other, any other shot, yeah. Polio, Polio. yeah, very
0: polio. We just we give you your polio. Now there's still a good chance you'll get polio. Right, but after and you only need three
1: more shots after that. After the fifth
0: booster, you might, you might, you know, maybe minimize the effects a little bit. It'll be somewhat paralyzed, but not not all the way.
1: Yeah. So all these different things that we're seeing happening, um, to me, it's just it's not it's not honest. It's not truthful, and to me, it's nefarious. And um, and to to take people that have had reactions. And to um, uh, try to tell them that they're crazy or that, you know, it's not, it's not from that, um, not even making the connection. I just, I just feel that that's really just nefarious.
0: You know, when the whole COVID mandate thing started popping and some people came forward and they said, you know what we need to do? We just need to expand the existing exemptions under Idaho laws there are exemptions right now, religious exemptions and so on that you could apply in certain situations. That's actually got me really concerned Mm -hmm. because now it's, here's the list of the objectors. We now know who they are and they're in a database somewhere. Right.
1: Right.
0: Do you share that or is that just me being No,
1: it it does concern me for one, Idaho does not have, so we have um, children exemptions. We really don't have adult exemptions right. in the state. Um, and so, yeah, and, you know, we're, we're finding out that the government has all these different lists of, of people with of, of different things. And, uh, and we found out recently that um, adult immunizations, that people were being put into data systems in right. the state for that. So, um, so yeah, so that is a concern because I, I feel that that can be utilized against people down the road in some way, shape, or form.
0: So what do you see the solution being then?
1: As far as the state goes, yes. um, well, I think we need to stand up for people's rights to begin with, um, that uh, that it should be a don't ask, don't tell um, mentality, I guess, if you want to put it that way, that um, that people's um, health status or their vaccine status should not be used against them in, in any way, shape or form. Um, and that, uh, we, we, we treat it as we would have anything else. I mean, when have we done this with anything else in the past? We haven't, we have not ever taken these measures or done, implemented those things, um, that we're seeing done now. I mean, when we start telling people they have to show papers or they can't travel or anything along those lines, I'm, it just brings me back to, to the 1930s, Germany and, um, And what transpired there and i really feel that that people should not be held you know and and if they're forced into something i mean and i guess that's the other thing i'll back up just a little bit if we are putting all these things into play to me we're legitimizing these mandates and i don't want to do that either i don't want to legitimize something that should not be legitimized and so we have to be very careful on how we we implement laws or bring bills forward in regards to this issue because i don't want to give the mandates the control um over the individual and say oh yeah you know we're, we're going to accept that now we're going to say that the mandates do exist and that we should you know we have to accept them um by putting laws into place so i don't want to legitimize that
0: there's now the mandate that the biden administration was successful in keeping in place which is the one that deals with medicare and medicaid mm-hmm. does that raise the level of concern there's hardly any conversation taking place about the biggest program in all the state government which is medicaid yeah but is anyone now saying well you know maybe this relationship we have with the federal government isn't so great because just by virtue of participating in the program
1: yeah we're bound by we're bound by say. whatever yeah, yeah the,
0: the, today it's the you know it's the COVID vaccine. God knows what it'll be tomorrow.
1: Exactly. No, I think, you know, if states are supposed to have sovereignty and if we don't start pulling back from the federal government now, we're going to continue to be more and more controlled by the federal government and lose our sovereignty that we still have left. Um, you know, we we as a state need to stop relying so heavily on the federal government. Um, I remember when the ARPA money was coming into play and they they sent us these booklets on what we're going to be obligated. And there were so many blank spaces in they didn't that, know the answers. no, they didn't even know the answers. And yet we're, we're, we're agreeing to whatever it is they may come up with. It reminded me of Common Core, you know, going back to that where we accepted Common Core and we agreed to whatever strings were attached to that. And we didn't even know what all the strings were because they were still building the system. And so, um, so we continue to do this. We repeat this history, unfortunately, and we are becoming more beholden to the federal government. We are losing our sovereignty. We are agreeing to who knows what I mean, we may not even know all the agreements that we're actually agreeing to for several years still, and yet we are we're we're tying ourselves to
0: that and yet, if I'm just a Average Joe Idahoan who reads the local newspaper and believes yeah. what's in it. I read these stories about how Brad Little and House Speaker Bedke and Pro Tem Winder are working overtime to, you know, fight the Biden administration. Every mm. news release, you know, talks about, you know, the Biden administration this, Biden administration that. Is that a true betrayal of what's really going on?
1: I don't see it because there have been many missed opportunities that we could have taken. Um, you know, we were looking at one today in regards to the National School Board Association again. And you had many, I think there was 14 different states, their attorney general signed on to a paper to the National School Board Association telling them how wrong they were on this, that we needed to remove memberships and all that sort of stuff we were rag was not one of them unfortunately and so there's been a lot of opportunities that have occurred that we could have participated in or even led the way on and we have not done that so um so i don't i don't see that happening i mean you know there's some there's some little messagings here and there about how we're fighting the biden administration and we're doing you know x y and z but to me they're just talking points. There's really not a lot of action behind those, unfortunately. So, so is
0: it is it just political theater? Is it designed to trick people into thinking that they're yeah, fighting the good fight and something else is taking place behind the scenes meanwhile?
1: I heard a statistic that the major 85% of of people really only know what's going on on the federal level and they just get tidbits here and there because of whatever they watch or read or whatever the case may be, but few people actually know what's happening in their own state. Um, and just to give you an instance on that, you know, I have people that will contact me at the beginning of the session and they want to know, what am I doing in DC? How is DC? And I don't even go to DC, but that's where they think I go. And, um, you know, and so, and and unfortunately it's because there's been this disconnect between the people and their government over the last many, many years and people are, are usually they're busy, they're working, they're taking care of their families, they're doing all that sort of stuff. So they don't give a lot of time to what's happening in, in their own backyards. And so they'll get these tidbits on what's happening at the federal level. So it's really easy for people to be able to utilize those tidbits and message it um, in a way that, oh, look at what, what we're doing. We sent this paper, we're fighting you know, the Biden administration. We're telling him no on this. But there's really little action that actually comes into play with that. And it really does little for our state. It's not, it's not helping us maintain our sovereignty, really. It's not helping us in a lot of ways um, that we could really be, be utilizing and making positive.
0: Historically, states have taken initiative. I, my favorite story is the um, state of Wisconsin and the enactment of the Fugitive Slave Act at the federal level. The law being that if you find you probably remember this story, you find a, a fugitive slave. This is 1858, I think. Mm-hmm. You have a fugitive slave from the South. You are duty bound. Every man, woman, and child duty bound to return the yeah. free the slave to their southern master. Yeah. And the state of Wisconsin said mm, not going to do that. Right. And even in Idaho history, there's been some of that pluck. You know, dealing with nuclear waste issues mm-hmm. um, coming nuclear waste federal nuclear waste coming into Idaho and being. Being left here on top of our aquifer is. When do we get to that? Is is there the possibility that this legislature says, you know what, um, we're an equal partner? For example, on Medicaid, yeah, we're 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 partners. It's a state federal program. It's not just the federal government dictating. We're not gonna we're not gonna abide by that, yeah. And so we're gonna protect people who work in the healthcare system against the federal mandate, despite yeah. what the Supreme Court said about it. Is that?
1: And we could do that. We could easily do that. I mean, we have states all over that, you know, have thumb their noses at immigration, immigration issues marijuana. or, yeah, drugs or, you know, what, I mean, we have Oregon right next to us that legalized everything, you know. And so are the feds going in and, and saying, oh, naughty, naughty, you should They have literally done that.
0: brought a tank to Ontario and shut down the dispensaries over there because of the illegality of the uh, marijuana. <laughs> of course they didn't do that. Yeah, No.
1: Not at all. And so, you know, there's, there's been, again, missed opportunities, I think, where Idaho could have taken the lead, could have taken the initiative, um, being this conservative state that we are, where we could have done that. And we we could still do that. We could say, look, we're not, you know, this, that might've been your, your idea with this, but we're going to do this and go ahead and try to stop us. Um, you know, but that has to do with your leadership. And if your, your state is only a strong I say your, your state's only as strong as what your leadership is, and your leadership's only as strong as the people are. So if you don't have the, the the strength of leadership in there, um, you know, they're not going to take those initiatives. They're not going to stand up against the federal government, and they're going to allow the federal government to, to dictate and, and tell you what to do. And that worries me because we have issues, you know, we're a strong Second Amendment state. You know, if the feds decide one day that all of a sudden, you know certain guns can't be owned anymore i mean what what's idaho going to do are we going to go along with that or
0: in order for you to participate in medicare and medicaid right. you have to disclose all the guns you, all the own, guns that you own and you have yeah. to surrender half of them or right. certain kinds yeah
1: it could be anything whatever. anything crazy along those lines anything is, is there the
0: for, the the wherewithal the fortitude to to do that right now
1: I I could see it happening. I honestly could see it happening. Um, I could see a lot of different scenarios playing out, unfortunately, but, um, you know, but again, I do see people waking up to what's transpiring too. And that does give me hope um, because it is going to take the people. And like we were saying, there there's been a, this disconnect between the people and their government. And it's supposed to be a government by and for the people. That's how it was put together. But if the people don't participate in it, then it just runs amok.
0: Unfortunately, I need to go back because just to, to clarify that the fortitude had to do mostly with your leadership.
1: Absolutely absolutely will will,
0: will they will they be the ones to to say nope we're standing in the abyss well and
1: and and you can kind of tell on that where uh you look at the financials the people you know who are they getting their money from what are they getting out of this what are what what are they benefiting from that's questions that you always need to be asking um you look at you know who's donating to their campaigns um you know there's some there's some uh, legislators that they're getting a lot of money from the um, pharmaceutical companies and the hospitals. And so, of course, you know, that's there's there's going to be some some asking on, hey, we want you to help us with this or, or you know, don't don't vote against this. Um, and that's that's politics, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, so you got to always ask where who, who are they benefiting from? What are they getting out of it? And those are those are two really good questions to ask every single time.
0: So I don't like to talk too much about politics, but I will because rumor has it that you're looking to run for the state senate. Mm-hmm. Um, true story. True story. So why would you want to be in the senate when we've made all this progress getting the house to be noticeably different? Yeah, I mean, really, there's it's it's almost as if they're they, they're legislatures operating or chambers operating in two different states. The yeah. the house is here, I guess, and the senate is like in Illinois. <laughs> Why would you want to do that?
1: I know. you know, I love being in the House, um, but my I've been here four years, and what I am seeing happening is that regardless of the the good legislation that we actually do produce out of the House, the Senate is a, a roadblock for us every single time. Um, you know, we even my own senator, they couldn't even override a a veto um, this last time to, to help Idahoans and help us in the emergency orders and all that sort of stuff. And so I just really feel that, that w- in order to make changes over there, we have to get new people and good people that are going to run, run for Senate and get them in there. Um, the Senate is much smaller than the house. Um, but you know, we, we need good people over there too. And, and it's not that, you know, a lot, a lot of us that are, are transitioning, um, in that regard, um, you know, we're not just going to leave our seats open to whomever. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that are looking to run for office um, on different levels. So
0: you think that we're not going to be switching problems? Okay, now the Senate's much better and the House is... i'm 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 really really
1: hoping not i'm really really hoping not um you know i can't control everything unfortunately but um but that is what i do know is that we do need to make changes over there um we we've seen it over and over again where we just have these problems in fact one of the the jokes in in the house is you know the senate's where good bills go to die and uh we we have to make that senate stronger it's in a good way in a positive way and we got to get them uh more conservative.
0: I may not know how this works, but couldn't you just identify as a senator?
1: You know what? I've I've thought of that. In fact, I have people that already call me that. So so maybe I could maybe I could just start identifying as you go. I'm just a
0: senator. It's I identify as this I'm trans senate. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Well good. Any what other closing thoughts or comments you have?
1: Yeah, you know, I One of my big things uh, since even before I ran for office is just to get people involved and how important it is for people to be involved and and aware of what's going on. Um, People will tell me, oh, I hate politics, it's terrible, it's awful, which there's truth to that. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly all mixed together, but, um, you know, government and politics and everything are involved in every aspect of your life, every single aspect, there's really not one that they're not involved in. You can't say,
0: oh, it doesn't affect me right. or it's just not important to exactly. me. Exactly. Whatever your profession is, whatever.
1: Whatever you do, whatever you wherever do, you live, it does not matter. It's yep. all political. It's all government. Isn't
0: that interesting that people say, gosh, you know, this COVID thing shouldn't be about politics. But oh, it, but it all is. A, it you know, all, yeah. Um, healthcare, education, finance, taxes. Yes, all of it's. You all can it's take all any it.
1: any scenario, any issue, and it will have uh, politics and government involved in it. Any anyone, anyone that you want.
0: I I try to tell people make it a habit, just every day. You know, you get up in the morning, and the legislature is only in session from January until about the end of March, or beginning yeah. of April, usually. Usually. Uh, but, you know, just make it a habit. So you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you take a shower. I don't know necessarily in that order, but right. <laughs> um, maybe have some cereal, and then you make sure to call one of your three legislators.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Contact your legislators, email them, um, get to know who they are. Um, we just had the redistricting, so that's going to change things up just a little bit. But, um, you know, right now, do that. Um, if you can come down to the Capitol, come down there.
0: I should really touch on redistricting. okay. Wasn't well, that just the slimiest decision? That wasn't really based on any kind of law. Well, what's going on?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, the uh, rendering that came from our courts was very, very interesting to me. It kind of reminded me of the grocery tax um, lawsuit that happened, right? Yeah. Where, okay, you shouldn't have done that. We're going to slap your wrist. Just don't do it again. And this one was almost as if they want to make rules or make, or make the law to fit what transpired. And, uh, yeah, the, the rendering that came out with that was really, really interesting.
0: Nonetheless, the fact that it's been done, there's nothing we can do about it only amplifies the point. You got to be engaged. You got to know who the candidates are. You got to ask them tough questions, ask
1: questions, look at their history. Don't
0: don't just ask about, and I'm, you know, you pro-life, you're pro second amendment. Fantastic really dig down and mm-hmm. ask, you know, what is the proper role of government? Uh, what do you think about the fact that um, we keep adding on to the education system? What do you think about critical race theory being right. taught in Idaho's public schools and right. the, the college? Well,
1: and you really have to look at what the actions are because I tell people, you know, politicians are like used car salesmen. They will tell you everything you want to hear and they'll make it sound great and they'll sprinkle it mm-hmm. with confetti and all sorts of fun stuff and and really sell you that they are... The best candidate they are the most conservative they are the most this and that but you got to look at their actions you got to look at what they've actually done look at their voting record there's lots of different organizations now that are that are um you know grading legislators on how they vote and how they are fiscally as well as in policy um you know ask them the tough questions find out where they stand don't don't just ask them the little you know off ball questions like, are you pro life? Are you pro Second Amendment? Too They'll easy. all tell you that. Too They'll easy. all tell you that they I, are.
0: I was at a town hall, legislative town hall meeting in Coeur Lane last year, 400 people in the room. They spent the first hour of a two hour meeting just talking about abortion. And of course, yeah. everybody there, what's your opinion on abortion? Well, it's terrible. We shouldn't have Yeah. It. Easy. It's easy. super Too easy. easy. Dig really yeah. down. What's the proper role of government? Yeah.
1: Ask them if they're for dual federalism or cooperative federalism. Exactly. You yeah. know? Ask
0: them if they believe that 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 states have the ability to kick out dumb federal policies. Ask right. them if, um, if they support uh, the continued growth of the welfare state. Yep. And the government encroaching in every aspect of our lives, that people just don't get asked those questions.
1: They don't. They and don't. They really
0: are concentrating on what's going on in Washington, DC. And it's
1: great. It's great to know what's happening in DC, but we have little control over what happens. People
0: know there. more about Lindsey Graham yeah. than they knew their own than they knew their own state senator right. representative. That's right. that's the problem. We gotta
1: change that. That's that's the mentality that does need to change. And that is that is teaching people how to get engaged and how to. Um, be part of that process because um, the people have to be part of the governmental process. It's the only way it works correctly.
0: Well, Tammy, I for one, and I speak for a lot of people when I say you're doing great work, and we really appreciate you, and thank you for coming on the program tonight.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure.
0: And we'll be back again on Thursday. Actually, Wednesday, it's um, the Steph Lucas Show. We'll be going back over what happened in the legislature in the last few days, and then on Thursday, come back for another half-time report because we're going to have the chairman of the Senate Education Committee, a young guy by the name of Stephen Thane, on the program. So you won't want to miss that. Uh, Thanks again for watching, and we'll talk to you again next time.